Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Chapter 15. The crowd at the Golden Goose was, as always, well-dressed and bubbling with enthusiasm. It wasn't hard to see why, since the Goose was one of the city's most fashionable night spots, and the clientele was carefully screened to ensure that only those well-off enough to ensure they had no cause to be anything other than gay were admitted. Here the Depression checked its hat at the door and was soon lost in the flowing rivers of champagne and cocktails. A short, stocky man with a carefully trimmed Van Dyke beard moved easily and confidently through the crowd. He reached the back of the room and turned down the hall that led to the kitchen. At the far end, he nodded with curt familiarity towards a pair of well-heeled toughs who stood by the doorway at the end of the hall, failing utterly in their attempts to look casual. The stocky man rapped three times in quick succession on the well-guarded door, took a moment to straighten his handsome white dinner jacket. A small panel slid open in the door, and a pair of eyes peered out momentarily. The door was flung open at once. "'Good evening, Mr. Grant,' the doorman said. The man with the beard smiled at the young man at the door. He had seen him elsewhere in other clubs of a similar vein. He passed through the door and pressed a bill into the hand of the doorman, who thanked him sincerely. The man with the beard hardly heard a word of what the young man said. He was regarding the swelling scene before him. The main room of the Golden Goose held the cream of Toronto society, but this room would leave those celebrants blinking in wonder. The room was richly appointed from top to bottom, and in every corner gambling tables and roulette wheels raked in a steady business from those who could afford to lose fortunes, and all in the name of good fun. Many of the patrons of the room were basically honest. Some were much less so, others were downright shady, though unaffiliated with the new club. It was from those men that the man called Grant received the most nods of acknowledgement. To them he was Miles Grant, a numbers man and occasional confidence racketeer, a trustworthy sort of crook and well thought of. Word round the campfire was that Grant had pulled some very profitable out-of-town jobs over the last few years, and had returned to the city flush and ready for new enterprises. It was only natural that he would seek out the city's newest gambling spot. Grant smiled and chewed lightly on the end of his unlit cigar. There had been an illegal gambling house in the back room of the Golden Goose off and on for years. When the club was in the hands of the Ryder mob, it was rough and tumble, but very profitable. It took no less a hand than Big Joe Tenuti to give the place some class, but it had fallen in raids led by the city's masked crime fighters months ago. The back room had been shut down. The goose itself was under new and supposedly legitimate ownership. To reopen the club and do it this publicly was either very stupid or a challenge, thought the man, surveying the room quietly from a tactical standpoint. The usual gorillas in evening wear were easily spotted throughout the room, but it didn't appear to be anything out of the ordinary. As he stepped into the room in order to drink, his keen eyes spotted what appeared to be a sliding panel no more than twelve inches wide, high above the room with a vantage facing the door. If it was what it appeared to be, it would be the perfect spot for an unseen sentinel to pepper the room with machine gun fire from the upper offices. He would have to deal with that. For the man with the Van Dyke beard was not Miles Grant at all. 
The real Miles Grant had died months ago in a plane crash while on a caper. Pains had been taken that his body would never be found, and the man in the white dinner jacket had assumed his identity, giving him access to the inner sphere of the underworld. He had engineered Grant's supposed return to Toronto, assumed his old connections, and awaited orders. Grant took one more look around, then took pains to blend in to the happy crowd of gamblers. At last he lit the cigar and steeled himself for the task ahead. For this was Gregor Sampson, agent of the Red Panda. He had taken on the dangerous task of being his chief's eyes and ears inside the city's underworld. Sometimes he served by gathering intelligence, names, dates, targets. Sometimes he played a more active role. Tonight was one of those times. He moved casually towards the corner of the room, stopping to chat with those he knew in the crowd. Halfway to his goal, he glanced over to make sure that the nearest security men had not taken an interest in him. Sure enough, their eyes were elsewhere, though with an intensity that caught Samson's eye. They seemed to be focused rather intently on one of the waiters. Samson glanced over at the men near the door. They, too, were focused on the same waiter as he moved through the crowd. Samson did not want to be associated with whatever was attracting so much casual attention, but he could not resist a glance. The waiter in question was a big man, maybe twenty-five. His hair was close-cropped and sandy blonde, and he carried his tray awkwardly, as if he had never held one before in his life. That, thought Gregor Samson at once, is the single worst piece of undercover work I have ever seen. He wondered if the man was a policeman, a private detective, or simply had some private agenda worth dying for. He made a mental note to ask the man's widow later. For the moment, he made an excellent distraction. Samson slipped down a service hallway without being seen. He could hear the muffled sounds of the casino nearby, the voices, the music. It was loud enough that he almost certainly wouldn't hear someone coming up behind him until it was far too late. He would have to work quickly. At last he spotted what he was looking for, the main power box. From here, the electricity branched off for every part of the Golden Goose, including the back room and, by the look of it, the offices above. He attached a small device to the base of the relay box and pressed a series of three buttons on it in a rapid pattern. There was a barely audible whirring sound, and then nothing. Samson looked around quickly. The way was clear. He moved swiftly back up the hall, all the while pressing the jewel in his ring in what appeared to be an absent-minded fashion. In fact, the motion was anything but random. The jewel in Gregor Samson's ring was the switch of a miniature radio sending device, transmitting a short-range signal on a very special frequency. As he passed back into the room, he finished sending the message in the dots and dashes of Morse code. Agent 33 in place. Ready. Counting down now. And as he sent the last dash of his message, Samson pressed a switch in his pocket, and the carefully trimmed Van Dyke beard began to move, just a little, as Gregor Samson began slowly and evenly counting down from thirty. As he kept careful, even count, he moved into a position directly across from the sliding panel he had spotted earlier. When he reached five, he fixed his eyes directly on the panel, in spite of the risk of being spotted. Out of the corner of his eye, he could just see two security men moving from opposite ends of the hall, each on their way to intercept the mysterious waiter. Samson nodded to himself. They would be out of position and away from their partners. Whoever this fool was, he had done them another good turn. 
At the moment that the count reached zero, the remote timer triggered the device he had planted, and with a sound like thunder, the back room of the Golden Goose was plunged into darkness. The effect on the crowd was instantaneous. They might not have known what was coming, but they had a general idea. It was nothing they wanted to be near. They wanted out, and they wanted out now. Unfortunately, they each had a different idea of which direction out was, and they made a little progress in the windowless black of the gambling room. The noise was great, and Samson could hear nothing from the spot on which he continued to focus his eyes despite the blackness. But after just a few seconds, the panel must have slid open as the beam of a powerful torch appeared and began to sweep the crowd. Samson knew from that angle they were perfectly positioned to rain down hot leaden death on the room and anyone in it, but he held his hand another moment. As the beam swept past him and over the room, Samson could just spy clearly the silhouette of a machine gun barrel. He had been right after all. As he reached into a hidden pocket in the lining of his jacket, his fingers brushed against the powerful forty-five he carried, hidden from prying eyes, but not unexpected in one with his supposedly criminal tendencies. In an instant it would be child's play to bring down the watcher with the gun, but another might be nearby to take his place. Besides, he noted grimly as he pulled the pin on the gas grenade in his pocket, if he shot anyone, he'd have to explain himself to the Red Panda. Samson drew his arm back to throw. The light presented a target, but in the pitch darkness it was difficult to judge the distance. This would have to be perfect. The roar of the crowd muffled the release of the gas bomb's charge an instant later, but the beam of light vanished all at once and did not return. The upper level was clear. It had been a full fifteen seconds since the room was plunged into darkness. Samson could not understand the delay. If the Red Panda was giving the crowd time to escape, he was also giving his enemies time to prepare a reception. It made little sense. Unless that's the whole point, Samson thought. He could feel the crowd pushing past him on the stairs now, charging through the darkness for the hidden doors. He held on to the rail to avoid being swept along. The chief may need him yet. Suddenly, a dozen red flares burst forth from every part of the room, bathing the gambling hall in an eerie glow. Samson looked around the room. In those few seconds of panic, the crowd had done the work of a wrecking crew on the fashionable hall. Everywhere, tables were overturned and gambling apparatus was smashed. Samson wondered who had planted the flares. Was one of his fellow agents in the room, or was it... A mocking, joyous laugh rang from high above, and all at once Samson had his answer. From the inky blackness that still prevailed near the high ceiling of the club, the Red Panda swooped like some great nameless creature. He landed on a massive table that somehow remained intact and called to the room in a voice like thunder. I have closed this den of inequity once. Must I do it again? He roared. Samson knew there was more at work than a human voice. The voice was so clear, echoing over the din. It was a force of will, carrying his message to every member of the panicked crowd, now racing for the illuminated exit. The words burned themselves into the minds of all who heard. Leave this place! Leave and never return! It took every ounce of strength Samson possessed not to obey that mighty charge, to hold his position on the stairs. Clearly several members of the security teams were less strong as they abandoned their posts and ran. Three burly security men were more determined. Their hands shaking with fear, they closed on the figure of the man in the mask who taunted them with his laughter. Weapons drawn, they began to fire. Even from his vantage point on the stairs, Samson could see the terror in their eyes, the incomprehension as their bullets failed to find their mark. 
The masked man still towered above them as they fired into him at point-blank range. Samson doubted that they ever understood the truth. Their eyes were wide with fear, but focused only on the image before them. Samson could see it too, but he knew it must be a hypnotic projection, that the Red Panda was somewhere else entirely. One by one the guards began to fall, disarmed by boomerangs and wrapped up in boleros thrown from behind them. He knew he was right. Still, the image standing on the table was clear as day. With his enemies fled or fallen, Samson could not help but wonder why the chief maintained the illusion. An instant later he had his answer as the panel door he had not detected slid open, and four of the largest men he had ever seen burst forth into the room. They were unarmed, but their bodies coiled like caged tigers released at last onto terrified prey. They swept the path clear of debris as they raced forward, hurling smashed equipment weighing hundreds of pounds aside like a child's toys. But to Samson's amazement, they did not move for the form of the red panda that he could still see in the center of the room. As one, they raced to Samson's right and charged in the direction that the thrown weapons had come from. But these men did not flail blindly, searching for a target they could not see. They ran directly for the same spot, their massive arms ready to strike. Samson gasped. Whoever these monstrosities were, they could do what even he, trusted agent that he was, could not do. They could see past the hypnotic illusions. They could see the Red Panda. The last members of the crowd fled past Samson and up the stairs. He broke down the steps and to the right, wondering if the chief had come to the same conclusion. He did not have to wonder long. He could see the massive forms of the new intruders flailing at the air above their heads, throwing chairs and tables, all apparently in vain. It wasn't hard to imagine the Red Panda's form dodging those blows. It also wasn't hard to see that he couldn't possibly keep it up forever. Samson knew the chief was a master fighter trained in a dozen martial arts, but he also knew that with his hypnotic powers defeated somehow and without backup, Samson reached for the forty-five from the back of his belt. An instant before he could draw, the inevitable happened. One of the giants swung his arms in a mighty uppercut. Samson could tell from the reaction of the arm that the massive guard had connected with something. An instant later, the form of the red panda became visible to his eyes, arcing through the air. A hundredth of a second later, the chief's body slammed against the wall with a terrible force and slumped to the ground. Samson heard a gasp behind him and turned quickly. Forty feet away, he could see the mental projection of the man in the mask fade before his eyes as the real red panda struggled with consciousness. But the gasp had come from twenty feet back and to his left. It was the stranger in the waiter's uniform who had attracted so much attention earlier. Before Samson could move to intercept him, the stranger raced forward, drawing a thirty-eight revolver and calling at the top of his voice as he did so. Hey, you! Hold it right there! The massive forms of the bruisers stopped in their tracks. They looked back at the charging form of the supposed waiter. Two of them broke towards him. The other two carried on towards the helpless form of Samson's crime-fighting chief. The Red Panda struggled gamely to his feet and managed to dodge one crippling blow from the first of the gargantuan gangsters, but was not so lucky with the second. He was struck a glancing blow that nearly put him through the wall. Another ham-like fist was thrust at him with terrible speed. This one he managed to parry with a judo throw, forcing one assailant into the other and sending both off balance. The Red Panda seemed in control for the moment. Samson halted his charge and turned towards the stranger. As the two giants barreled down upon him, the waiter stopped and leveled his thirty-eight at the first charging brute. He did not aim for the man's center mass or for his head, but with the cool air of one that had seen such creatures before, he aimed and fired at the man's left kneecap. Samson could not believe his eyes. 
The stranger's aim was true, but the creature charging him barely slowed down in spite of what must have been unbearable pain. The stranger fired five more shots in rapid succession at the same target, and each found their mark. At last, when the sixth bullet collided with the huge leg, there was not enough of the bone left to support the weight of the great man. He fell to the floor with a crash, though Samson could see that the giant was still crawling, still trying to reach the mysterious new ally. The second giant vaulted over the crippled form of the first without a glance back. The stranger was racing to reload his pistol. Too late, he thought, to turn and run, and he was hurled across the room with a mighty blow, crashing against one of the support pillars with a sickening thud. Still, the second giant raced on towards the unconscious man. Samson knew the man didn't have a chance. The red panda was on his feet, at least. Samson made his choice. He pulled something from his jacket pocket and raced straight towards the oncoming freight train of a man. He could see only cold fury in the man's eyes as they closed at top speed. He could not even tell for certain if the man saw him, so intently was he focused on destroying his target. Samson passed the prone form of the stranger just seconds before colliding with the giant. At the last possible second he dropped and rolled, somersaulting between the onrushing feet of his attacker. As he came up behind the man, who had hardly slowed down at their near collision, Samson turned his body and clipped the device he had pulled from his pocket on the back of the giant's belt. Samson scurried away as the big man turned, baffled at the agent's disappearance. Gregor struggled to his feet, fumbling for the switch in his pocket as he did so. With his right hand he hauled forth the forty-five and pumped two bullets into the chest of the giant man. What he saw was exactly what he expected, but still it shocked him. The man took the bullets with no reaction at all, beyond a small shrug in response to the concussive force of the blow. The giant seemed only confused between his two possible targets. Samson decided to make his choice easy for him and began to run back onto the open floor of the ruined gambling den. As he had hoped, the moving target became more interesting to the beast-like instincts of the giant, and he lurched after Samson's retreating form. The giant man never heard the words that Samson was quietly counting down as he ran. Three, two, one. At last, the backup explosive device that Samson had brought with him on his mission exploded, tearing the giant man in half as it did so. Samson could hardly bear to look at the form of the mighty combatant slumped to the floor, but it seemed to him the man was still conscious, still aware, still struggling to reach him somehow. A cry from across the room drew his attention away. The battle was not going well for the Red Panda. Weakened by the initial attack and hurt since then, he was playing a losing game of tag with the two superhuman giants that remained. Samson began to charge anew to his chief's aid, but what he could possibly do against such odds he could not begin to imagine. At that instant, a mighty swipe from the larger of the two caught the Red Panda in the side of the head and he staggered back. He struggled to right himself, but to no avail, and he slumped onto the floor, helpless. Gregor Sampson was beside himself. He was still too far away to intercede, except with his forty-five, which he knew to be useless. He raced as fast as he could, knowing he could never get to his chief's side in time to save him, even if it were in his power to do so. Suddenly, he heard a familiar voice calling from nowhere. "'Hey, fatty!' the flying squirrel's voice rang. "'Over here!' Both giants paused, confused at this voice that seemed to come from the corner of the room, which they could plainly see was empty. "'What's the matter?' "'Too slow to take on one little girl, or just too stupid?' the voice taunted. "'Too much pie! That's your trouble, tubby!' Whether these beasts of men understood her words or not, it was impossible to say, but they each lumbered forth to see where the voice had come from. Still it called to them, always just a few feet out of reach. 
behind the next chair, or from a shadow nearby. Twenty seconds after they had heard the voice for the first time, both giants found themselves in the corner of the room. They stood there an instant, too baffled to react. Then they heard a rolling noise from behind them. One looked to his feet and saw the three hand grenades she had thrown after them. The other looked back and saw the lithe form of the flying squirrel blowing them a kiss as the grenades detonated and tore them both to pieces. The flying squirrel turned like light and raced towards the unconscious form of the red panda. Samson, she called to the agent, help me with the boss. Samson raced towards her. Is he all right? When he's all right, he doesn't usually lie on the floor, Gregor. Let's get him out of here. She struggled to pull the big man to his feet. Those pineapples blew a hole in the wall. We'll take him out that way. Come on, before this place goes sky high. What? Samson was stunned. You rigged the place to blow? She gave him a withering look. I don't usually do that without an exit plan, Gregor. It's more of a guideline than a hard and fast rule. Come on! Samson suddenly remembered the stranger who had stood with him against the attackers. Wait, he called. That other fellow. What other fellow, she snapped. Samson turned and spotted the man struggling to his feet. Him, he said, pointing. The flying squirrel's mouth dropped open in surprise as she recognized the bruised and battered form of Constable Andy Parker. What's he doing here, she roared. Never mind, get him. Samson turned and raced to help Parker. The whole place is wired top to bottom, she called after him as she struggled to hoist the red panda to her shoulders in a fireman's carry. I managed to cut the remote detonators, but I think there was a backup timer. We have to get out of here now. Samson hauled Parker up like a sack of potatoes. This whole thing was a setup, he called. You think? Get him out of here. She disappeared through the smoking hole in the wall opened by the blast, carrying the chief with her. Samson pulled the half-stunned Parker along with him up the main staircase and out through the once grand ballroom of the Golden Goose, which also lay in ruins. He heard men's voices calling behind them, yelling for them to stop. They struggled on. As they neared the side door into the alleyway, Samson fired twice blindly over his shoulder, the roar of the mighty forty-five sending their pursuers scurrying. He slammed against the door, the force of the contact knocking the breath out of him for a moment. The alley was dark and quiet, the whine of police sirens approaching from far off. The man he was pulling along seemed to be regaining his senses. He tried to pull away from Samson for a moment. Don't get any ideas, kid. If we're going to get out of this, we've got to stick together. Where are we going? the man protested. Samson suddenly heard a series of powerful roars coming from the top of the building they had just left. Away from here, he answered. Come on! The two men raced on together into the darkness of the alleyway as the once grand Golden Goose nightclub burst into pieces around them. This is Jack Ward, and on behalf of everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times.